Hey everyone, it's Kristen and Sam. Welcome to Attached to the Core, the podcast where we talk about life and how everything can be connected to our earliest attachments. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started to see what today's conversation can mean for all of us. Anyway, but uh, the other thing that we talked about whenever I asked you about the this week's topic, you said that you needed to visit attachment, right? Mm-hmm. Why specifically do you feel right now you need to deal with attachment in your own life? Um, so Nova is 22 months. Um, and so working with kids for so long in like early childhood development, uh, toddlers has never been my favorite age. Like I love <laughs> three to five year olds like that's like my sweet spot and so like i knew like becoming a parent like toddler was going to be hard right like they can't tell you what they need they can't um that's the hardest part right Right. it's like they're talking another language and they're trying so hard to like get their point across and like they can't so they get frustrated and then you get frustrated and it's just like this ball of frustration cycle um and that's basically where we're at is she's so like everything is on point like with her everything she's doing but like she's still not talking yet so she gets so mad Mm. and her feelings are so big so like like i mentioned before like she's like biting and like hitting and like crying and like tantruming just like non-stop and it's just like a lot to for me to be like okay like you have to regulate yourself like you have to stay regulated you cannot like get mad at her you cannot yell at her you cannot like do you can't you can't and like i don't like i can't like i I can't Uh, i don't know what else to say like for me it's not an option to like yell and then repair or like hit her and then repair and like all these things like i can't do that right right. so like you know uh, i just like i told dave the other day i'm like it's just a lot like there's a lot that it's a lot going on like she depends on me for like everything like i went out of town for work on tuesday and wednesday and obviously I was very like stressed out about it. It was the first time I ever left her. It was only 36 hours. Um, but you know, like when I get back, like obviously David had his struggles, but he was like, yeah, she pretty much did not like throw a tantrum the entire time you were gone. And you know, and like a part of the question, like a lot of parents ask is like, why is my kid always like whining or like crying or whatever with me? And like, the science answer is the safety like they feel the safest safest with you they know like no matter what they do and no matter what they say like you're going to love them you're going to be there for them like you can't you can't uh break that bond and so they pretty much literally just save it for you um there's stories of like kids who go to like daycare all day and then when their parents pick them up they just like lose their mind for three hours but the teacher's like oh they're great Great like all day day long like whatever and it's because they're not safe with those people so they don't want to use their like actual feelings on those people and so like i know all the like science and like whatever behind it but like still being in it i'm like this is like literally the most like hardest frustrating thing and i literally for her have to like always keep like my composure yeah and always be like i see you're frustrated i'm sorry you're frustrated about that thing or whatever 
but you know we can't bite or like mommy can't let you bite or like whatever and so even me just staying like calm all the time and not being like oh my god just leave me the fuck alone but right. sometimes <laughs> it's like you know what I mean? but like i can't like i literally can't like, and that's I can't totally fine <laughs> if you're telling her to leave you alone for a little while because so i know <sighs> we <it> talk about <laughs> books and and i'm the reason why i'm gonna bring this up and and you have your book and i have my book that we both I don't know. Do you return to that book a lot? Like for yeah, your, these are all my tabs, all your stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm not as together as you are. I got a lot of like underlined and, um, I got like a little Dobby clip right here for some of the stuff that like, I really remember and, and really because of the scene right here, like it, it just, so the book that I have is called the power of showing up. And I just want to make sure to like show this to everybody because I really believe it. I had a friend at my old job who like, we all read it together in a, in a book club or whatever. Um, and so much of it, I got so much from the book and I realized like things that I had done right and things that I had done wrong. Um, but one of the biggest things that it asks you to do is like to reflect on your own childhood and to say, okay, was I not shown up for from my parents or whatever? And then really start to figure out from that if that's the type of parent you want to be, because that's really like we're all behaviors learned. So we're yeah. going to pull from our childhood experiences and say, this is how the right way to parent is. Yeah. But if you knew that you didn't end up exactly the way that you wanted or not even exactly the way that you wanted to, or you knew things were maybe rough at some point or things happened that you have to learn from those mistakes, right? Like I, I really would have liked it if my parents showed up to my recitals more or they had, been more comforting whenever I, I was feeling down regardless of the situation, because too many times, you know, someone will say, Oh, well, you really don't have anything to be upset about because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Instead yeah, of saying, the definition of yeah, a toddler. like that's what I'm saying. Like she's upset. Cause like her shoe that's on the wrong foot is like causing her to not be comfortable. Right. So she's pissed and she's literally like <laughs> throwing a tantrum and I could be like, that's stupid. Yeah. Like you have your shoe on the wrong foot, but I'm like, I'm so sorry. You're frustrated. Your shoes right. on the wrong foot. Like let's move it to the right foot. Yeah. And even getting her to do that is like a 10 minute process because she still wants to shoe on that foot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, it's true. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is I think, what I got, one of the things I wrote down in the beginning of the book, or not actually in the beginning of the book, was that no one can parent without mistakes, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, uh, I know we're not trying to parent shame anybody when we go down this road. We're going to talk about the different levels or the different phases of attachment or right. attachment styles, whatever they are. Um, because that's, to us, that's what's most important. And the thing about the book that I, that I read or the book that I've read on, um, you know, the power of showing up is they focus on how do we, build a secure attachment with yes. our child because that's the most you know that the science tells us that that's going to make them the most productive person that they can be not right. only as far as like you know school and their relationships and every facet of their lives like knowing that they're a person knowing who they are as a person and that they can belong in the world yeah even though we all know the world can be fucked up so that's kind of the thing uh and you brought it up a minute ago you said she's 22 months mm -hmm. so for them, they say, or the science says, that attachment with the primary caregiver develops during the first 18 months of the, or so of the child's life. Yeah. And actually, I, I last night when I was doing some looking stuff up too, I read it's like some people go as far to say like the necessary parts are like the first nine months. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, well, I at least nailed that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I held her for her naps till she was like 10 months old every single nap. Like, so, yeah, that made me feel a little better. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that would make anybody feel a little bit better. I think the biggest thing is to know that, like, we're going to have issues with our kids, right? And we're not always going to make it the best, even if you needed to avoid her for a little bit, especially when she's throwing a tantrum. But it's like how we make up with them after that. That's basically what the book preaches, right? Like, we're going to make mistakes. We're not always going to be there. But we're going to be able to make it up with them later. And then, and so the flip side of that is like, we don't always want to, we don't want to be the lawn mowing parents, right? Like their whole thing is like lawn mowing parents is basically you make sure that there's no issues, right? Like I'm going to mow down everything in front of them. They're not going to have any issues to deal with throughout their life. Um, but they use like an analogy of someone riding a skateboard, mm. right? So your being there for them or the, sh- the power of showing up is you're going to give them a helmet and some knee pads and some elbow pads. And you're going to say, go ahead, go out there and jump on the skateboard. Go have a good time versus hey riding a skateboard is dangerous you shouldn't ride the skateboard there's always going to be some risk involved with riding a skateboard but if i give you enough protection then we can eliminate some of the risks like busting your head open right like you you don't have to have that happen if you have a helmet on and we as parents are to provide the helmet right so that to me is like sounds like where you guys are at yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it also sounds like where you and nova at right like she wants to do things her own way. Maybe you're trying to protect her from all these other things, even if it is just like a shoe. Like I want the shoe this way. You know that the shoe is right. Like just let her wear the shoe the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. All well, day. Yeah. Um, and and see how that goes. Yeah. Well, and that's what's funny is like, and then David worries about like her physical development. He's mm. like, your hips are going to start hurting if you're wearing your shoes wrong, you know? And like, again, yeah, you're right. Like in retrospect, it's like not that big of a deal, but like in for perspective, I'm terrified of skateboards. I don't know how yeah. to rollerblade. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how to ride um, like All those either. things. It's the same thing. Like, and I think that's a culture thing. Like, like our culture does not want like kids to get hurt yet, like physically, <laughs> yet when they're emotionally hurt, it's like, nah, let's just ignore them. Um, and even to counteract what you said, like, it's okay if you just like ignore her for a little bit. But even that, like ignoring, like, is probably one of the worst things you can do too. Right. And sometimes it's not even like you have, like you're saying, be attentive, but like just being there, yeah. right? Like in the same space. Like sometimes I just sit beside her and I'm just like, you yeah. know, and just like, do you need anything? Like- and, and so I, when I'm saying you ignoring her isn't necessarily like all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> I'm talking about when you need it. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, like you explained yeah. you being frustrated. So that's what I'm saying. When you need to feel like, okay, this is a lot for me. Am I really giving her the best parts of me right, right. now? If we're both frustrated, yeah. then I need to remove myself from it for just a little while and go catch my breath, get out of the room, and then go back and revisit it and say, okay, now can we figure it out? Because with that attachment, she's going to know if you leave, maybe the tantrum stops, but that security that you know that you guys have developed is when you come back in the room, she's going to know, okay, now I can go back to really addressing whatever issue she's having so i think for you i think it's more important to do that for yourself like as her parent so that way every time you show up she's getting the best parts of you and not like a frustrated you for sure yeah so um but i think you've stepped on something that i think a lot of us when we talk about safety 
that was one of the bigger things that they pointed out in the book. We'll stay safe and we'll, we'll think about physically safe, right? No broken bones, no scars, you know, whatever. But do we really think about them as safe in their emotionally and also just in their relationships with us? Like, are they safe in those things? Cause I think a lot of times, and especially in our culture, we'll think about, we'll say safe and be like, oh yeah, they're safe, but we're not necessarily thinking about the other parts of them being safe. Yeah. Well, and like that, like goes into like, yeah, so many things physically, like so many parents too won't let their kid like go sleep over their friend's house right? or like have people come over their house or like all these types of things. And then, you know, sometimes I have kids as clients that are like, I'm like, well, who are your friends? Like, who are people you trust? I don't really have any friends. Like, and it's like, I get the like safety part of like, you don't want anything to happen to them at somewhere else, but like that emotional connection, like they really need to be friends with someone other than you, you know, or other than their cousins or other than whatever. And they need experiences with different people. Yeah. And I think that goes a long part to their development too. As far as like, I think they speak of attachment as in the, like we said, the first 18 months of development, but, I think we can correct that stuff even later on teaching people how to come out of that. Like you're saying, like when you work with a client who's been kind of isolated from all of those types of experiences, you have to really teach them how to start identifying these things. And I think if they're doing that while they're younger, then it just becomes part of their, their everyday norm. Like they just know how to do these things versus when you're dealing with someone who, like you said, their parents completely removed them from any type of risk then it's like, okay, well, now you're going to struggle later on in your life to really get to the, like, to get to that point where you, the secure attachment really shows itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like all about balance. Like, and I know it's hard to find balance, but like you have to, Yeah. because like as an adult, like you hope to be a balanced person that can kind of like level out, you know, but also be like yourself and like, if, like you're saying, if you don't like teach those things or show them those things, like they don't really know how to do that. Um, yeah. So. so, and then the other thing, so they, they talk about the four S's in, in, in my book and they say, you know, you want to safety is number one, obviously, because at the base of everything, everyone needs to feel safe and secure. And that goes for all three things, emotionally relationships, and then, um, physically, uh, the next part is being seen. Yeah. So, you know, let your child know that you see them. Like, hey, I understand. That's a great job. You, you know, you put the shoe on the right foot. Awesome. You know, like, great. Let's go do whatever it is that you've been wanting to do or whatever. Um, how do you practice letting Nova know that you see her? So it's funny because, like, uh, my prior job, I was a mentor for early childhood teachers. And they got assessed on their language, their social, emotional classroom management, all these types of things. And one of the things that like I used to hone in on, and I think like this is a transfers into the way I talk to Nova is when you're in a classroom with 15 kids, preschoolers, um, throwing out 20 good jobs is superficial, right? Like they're like, Oh, you just told them good job. And then you told me good job. And then you told that person good job. And like, we're just all doing a good job. We're all the same, right? It's not individualized, (laughs) you know? So I used to tell my teachers too, like always use their name, like use their name. And then it's like a a skill to be like, Hey, 
I saw you draw that circle all by yourself. Good job. Yeah. So noticing something that's individual to them. And even you just said it. So you're already like programmed to say it. But like, wow, you put your shoe on right. your foot. Specifics. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, so like combining those things and literally like, you know, and even with my mom and this whole learning process and re teaching her how to like talk to Nova. I'm like, literally just describe what you're seeing. Yeah. She's the one doing it. Mm-hmm. And then it gives her the power to be like, yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Or like, wow, you saw me do that thing. You were paying attention, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to be so like complicated. Um, so I literally just always tell myself, like, just describe what you see, just describe what yeah. you see. And you can use that like at any facet, like even if she's mad, like I'll say like, I see you're frustrated that A, B and C didn't happen. Right. Um, do you need help or like, you know, like, can I give you a hug or whatever the, f- it might be. Um, but yeah, cause, and, and I, I, it's very, uh, helpful and it doesn't require a right. lot of like effort. Um, and again, then she knows like she did see me, right? like she's seeing what I'm doing and that you can apply that to anything. I was about to anything. say, I literally was about to say that is that you're talking about a toddler, but I have a niece who's nine she gets super frustrated. You know, she, her sisters are older, you know, she's the baby and they, you know, she gets treated like such, but when she's asked to do something, she'll throw a tantrum or she, you know, she just doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to. But when she actually does it, I still do that to her. Like, Hey, I appreciate you taking your stuff to the trash can. All right. Hey, that's, that was awesome that you went to jujitsu today. Good, great job. Like you did good today. Like you really tried. And so I really focus on those things that I know are important to her because, like, if you just listen to her, she'll tell you what's important to her. Yeah. Like, what she's trying to do or what she's trying to accomplish in all of these different things that she's doing. Um, and then with my son, who's an 18-year-old, I think being seen is completely <laughs> different for them. But I try to do the same thing. But it's more so, like, um, what would I do with him? It's mostly last night. I, I, I can just think about last night. I went to his room. I'm just like, hey, you got off. Of work earlier than normal and he's like yeah i i finished my stuff up pretty quick and i got out of there before everyone else did and i'm just like oh man that's awesome you're just that much faster than everyone else and he's like yeah they just like to talk and bs and you know they take their time closing he's like i'm trying to hurry up and leave and go home and i'm just like okay great you know good that you got here early and you can go to bed early and he's to him it just carries the conversation on and i'm like it still works even at 18. well and even like that like if you want to talk about like kids getting into trouble he knows you're always watching and noticing yeah he doesn't feel like oh well he he's not gonna notice anyways yeah or like i can do this thing and he probably won't even ask me what i did that night or whatever but he knows like oh when i get home my dad's probably gonna ask me like what i did tonight or where who was there or whatever and it makes the like the person more aware of like their sir i mean that shit is like no different than like a cheating spouse right who like they never talk they never communicate they never get into these conversations and this person's just doing this thing and this other person's just oblivious because like they just stopped talking a year ago two years ago so right crazy. and if they were asking these questions and were like opening that communication and yeah. having these conversations they would know something's off right and so like that's kind of like and that's a whole different episode but that's kind of like where i go with that where i never defend cheaters but i'm just like 
when you have an open line of communication and you're noticing people and you're seeing them and right. you're recognizing and you're trying to like work on things like you do notice things like even with your kids and whoever like you're yeah. noticing like hey something's off or like they're different today or like what's going on you know those are and you have to always be seeing like yeah and looking. people i get so much from that like just noticing that something's off with them because i can't tell you how many times i've been in that situation with my son and it's him opening up about something that's happened in his life um and he's really the only one only because i live with him most of the time you know he's he's always there so i get to see that with my niece i don't get to pick up on it as much but i obviously i can tell when she's frustrated and i'm able to kind of help and i guess that goes along with the next one which is soothing like soothing her that's kind of what she likes she likes to get credit you know when she's done something good validation. yeah she loves yeah. validation so um but <laughs> side note i wanted to ask you um really switching gears like you're talking about the cheating spouse like from my supervision we talked about it and we really talked about this power shift when someone cheats mm -hmm. so if the husband's been like the one who's not noticed someone and they're doing all this other stuff and, and he goes off and cheats that's fine like the power is going to stay the same way but the wife who's been ignored the entire time whenever something that happens and there's like that break and then she cheats then the shift happens where now somehow the, she has all the power. It's just a weird, really weird dynamic. And um, a coworker of mine, she was telling our supervisor about how she had a client who literally was living through that where he wasn't that great and he had cheated in the past. But then his wife cheated and now she basically holds him like, you know, like she kind of holds all the cards. And then like we got into this huge discussion about just the power dynamic in a relationship in that type of situation and why does it happen that way like is it really that this person does have the balls to move on or to go do something else that you never thought they were going to do and now you kind of give them that power like it just kind of you hand it over i don't know it's weird yeah really definitely a long conversation another day but I, yeah. I wanted to throw that out there i like honestly surface level i say it's fear like you just get scared like because it's a disruption in the norm right so like um i would say the person who actually leaves and doesn't cheat is the most powerful strong one i think people that cheat it's a little bit cowardly because okay. you're not willing to face like the realities right. of why you're even doing it hmm. that's so, like a whole different i know <laughs> like it's I a said. whole different thing i, heard, <laughs> I saw paused. this guy i saw this guy and he said not telling someone how you really feel like saying they won't be able to handle this is a form of codependency because you've already made up your mind that they're not going to be able to handle whatever it is that you have to say yeah so you're thinking Protecting that you yeah, yeah you think that you know their feelings better than they do yeah and it's like i don't know like like i know what you're saying like cowardly you're gonna go out there let me do this and then eventually you'll get caught and then they'll break up with you and so you won't have anything to worry about. You know what I mean? And you kind of get your clean break like you wanted anyway, instead of doing the... Just the, saying, just I saying, don't want to be anymore. I'm yeah. unhappy. Let's go to therapy. Like, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Back to secure Sorry. attachment. <laughs> Usually people who cheat are struggling with secure attachment. Um, and actually, that's one of the components we could talk about. Yeah. I was going to say, I really, I want to get into... So do you want to tell everybody about like the different... Sure attachment um, styles that there are yeah so the attachment comes from childhood um 
that's like you can google it um yeah it's like the most it's it's how you throughout your life will form relationships with other people right like who no matter who they are um and so you need to at least develop one primary attachment in childhood so that's to say for people listening like if you're a single parent like that doesn't mean your child is doomed because they don't have a two-parent home with two attachments you literally like biologically and scientifically one secure attachment one person will do the job Mm -hmm. you know and that's why like throughout life too, say a child grows up in a home where neither attachment was secure or like they just whatever and people will like have mentors or like these things that really can like and when we talked about with Brittany, people who can really like shape and shift like what that a person attachment style is right because now they have someone consistent showing up now question do you think going back to a single parent household you know i grew up in a single parent household four kids mostly single parent household four kids um can one person be that for all four people do you think in your opinion i've actually never seen it i mean i've never seen maybe there is literature out there and i need to go do my research better but can one person be that one secure person for four different people? Literally, I'd like to do a whole episode on siblings. Um, it's a hell of a question, though. Yeah. Like, I never really thought about I, it until... Off the top of my head right now, I would say if the person, I'm assuming you're meaning parent, if the parent or caregiver, whatever, is healed, secure has the time then i think perceivably yes okay. and i think people can do it and i think people do it right but i think it is incredibly difficult to do it with more than one child when you yourself are still trying to heal good point or yeah you still have an insecure attachment or you whatever like because then you get into other stuff of like trying to heal that through your children and mm-hmm. like all kinds of stuff, which we'll probably surface on. But like, is it possible? Yes, I think probably. But I think it the person who's doing it is probably just like the most secure person and really like can divide their time evenly and see all their children and like notice all these things. Um, and that way, like, the child like you said always knows like yeah i'm good and the goal and i think the goal and what people might not understand is like you do all the work when they're little or younger or children while they're still in your house you do all the work because later they won't need as much work because it's already like engraved in them so like yeah ideally even if you had four kids and you space them all apart with substantial amounts of time where like not two or in diapers or not two or whatever. Like you could focus all those different shifts of time, right? You could be strategic about it or it would be easier or more like streamlined. I had a, I had a, there was a family that, um, he went to school with my son. And so when his older brother was a senior, I think he was a freshman or maybe he was a junior or brother was a junior. He was a freshman, something like that. And then, but his sister after him, they had the exact same spacing in between each kid. So like you're just starting high school and we're getting ready to send him off. So then he goes off and then now you're a sophomore and then the sister's coming up behind him. 
And then whenever he's a senior, she'll be a freshman. And it, it just was like clockwork. So like now everyone's kind of on the same timeline and like, but I think in their mind or maybe in their family, the way that they set it up was we're going to, you know, you're a freshman, you need very little, not as much attention, you know, he's going to be loaded up with all this stuff going on as a senior, get him ready to get sent off and all this other stuff. So yeah, sibling I, like dynamic and psychology is a whole ass field of study. And like, the ideal ideal like if you read the research has been done is like four years it's like it sounds about ideal. right with this family yeah and that's that's literally and it makes sense because if you think about having a four-year-old and a baby so is that like, what you guys are waiting on for the next one i don't think we're you don't think so. <laughs> oh, maybe if i was younger we've talked about that like i think if i was younger i would have another one but i'm like no in like four years i'm not gonna no like oh yeah i'm too like realistic right now like if you would have caught me when i was younger maybe like i could have tricked myself but um but that makes sense because like at four years old they're usually like in some kind of preschool program they're wiping their own ass yeah like they're doing all these things they can you know figure out how to pour cereal in a bowl whatever and they're usually wanting to be independent anyways right um and then you can spend the time needed on a baby but bringing them up yeah yeah so and then so going back to the four attachments. So oh, yeah. you Sorry. talked about uh yeah, so obviously secures the that's secure. That's what everyone's four, trying to achieve. We and, should be trying to achieve. Yes. And actually I was surprised to learn that about sixty percent of people have a secure attachment according to studies, whatever. So this, I don't know who those sixty <laughs> people are. Um, this is but, always a this is always a good thing like in or not a good thing, but this is always a conversation like in my line of work because you you're like Man, look at all look at our look at our caseload. It's like 200 students or 300 students and you're like, "Yeah, but how many students go to the school?" Okay, 2700, 2800. So that means there's like 2500 that are doing the right thing and there's only like 300 that you're actually working with. So like yeah. really what I mean, there's probably a few that fall between the cracks that yeah. we're not seeing and someone else isn't seeing. But it's like the majority is doing okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and just that the problems get highlighted and then the, you know, the well, good things. The, the, the pro- like, yeah, I don't know, problems, the issues, they just, it's like, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Exactly, like they just, yeah. They're louder. Um, so that was nice to hear. I was like, oh, cool. Um, so what pretty much defines those, like, quickly is, like, those people don't have difficulty trusting people and they don't have difficulty loving people Mm. um and they're not afraid to get intimate with someone and be in like a space sharing feelings talking about things right Right. they're secure and usually what mimics that is a lot of the stuff you were talking about is like when they were younger they weren't having to like beg for attention ask their parents to like you know whatever they weren't ignored they were like they got all their emotional needs and connection met right um so as they got older they're always know like, Hey, I got somebody. And so they feel safe, um, going out into the world and being able to like provide that for other people. Um, and to be able to trust people. I think like people see trusting people as a weakness, but it's not. Um, so I, I struggle with that. Yeah. Like I struggle with trusting people. I'm like real skeptical of like random, you know, just like, Oh, I know this guy and whatever. And they start talking and I'm like always trying to catch someone in a lie. I'm like, I struggle with it. I'm not going to lie to you. But when I meet someone and I just like automatically just feel like a genuine connection with them, like I'm like, I really buy into what you're saying, then I'm pretty trusting. It's just when I'm like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. David's very similar. Um, But I always go in 
Like, I'm going to trust you till you give me a reason not to. Okay. Like, that's my initial thing. Right. Um, because I think sometimes you miss out on a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I'll give an example. I don't know if my coworker will ever listen, but, like, I told her this when we were on our trip. I was very honest with her because we had had a few drinks. But she's one of those people when you meet her, like, you're just like, there's no way this is real. Like, there's no way this is real. There's no way you're, like, just this genuine all the time. Right. There's, like there's like something going on here like whatever and like i've worked with her for a year now and like i was just telling her like i just love you so much like she's such a real person she genuinely like everything she says she means she like actually like she's just being herself yeah. all the time um and like i i love her for it and damn a those lot type of, of people yeah <laughs> I, like literally and a lot of people like even you know her employees and stuff will pass judgment on her and like whatever and she's like, I always get that. And because I'm some like, people will say she's being fake, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, but she's just not. Like, that's just literally that's just her. That's who she is. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I'm not going to lie. With her, I was very, like, skeptical. And then I was just like, okay. But, but I like, gave her a chance. And, like, as I gave her that chance, like, it really developed into, like, you know, I really care about her now, you know? Because isn't that the goal? Like, for you to be around people and to be authentically yourself all the time. And I'm like, that's hard. Yeah. Like, that is a level of vulnerability. Like, when me and you started talking about even doing this, I said, you, you know, you went in and you said, like, I'm pretty comfortable with this. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just that way. Like, I really, I feel like I hold back a lot. And I just, I'm like, am I going to be accepted? You know, that, that's really what I, because I'm like, I think there's parts of me that I'm, I probably won't even, you know, like, I'll be myself around some of my really close friends who I'm just like really know that they got my back and they've shown up for me and like my, you know, most dire situations. But, uh, then there's other people where I'm like, it's all surface level. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. but uh, that's the goal. I mean, the goal is to be like her, to want to be that way, to be authentically yourself all the time, no matter who you're around and whether they like you or not, you're not going to worry about, oh man, I should have said something different or I shouldn't mm -hmm. have said that. Like, I don't know how they're going to take that. Yeah. And I, I think genuinely I'm at this at that point too, like where I'm just like, whatever. And I've honestly, and I don't know if you've for as long as you've like, we haven't been doing this for very long, but I feel like I've noticed people get less comfortable around me that used to be comfortable because of how much I'm putting myself out there as far as like my instagram for like my counseling and like yeah. the podcast yeah and, like i'm always just like like i'm always just saying stuff that i like feel and so like i think i don't know if people think that it's not genuine or they're just like wow you're just a lot now which it's whatever i don't really fucking care but it's also strange to see like that shift as well i think with like people i've known for so long a lot of this goes back to the conversation with adonis because I felt the same way, like as I'm, you know, rewatching and editing and looking at it, I'm just like, I mean, how are people going to take this? But at the very end, he's like, if you feel a certain way about this, like that says more about you than it does about us. Like this is just how we feel right now in this moment versus you're going to go and carry this and be like, oh, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. But that says more about yourself, about how you feel triggered by things that really there should be a space for it. sure yeah and as like a professional all that stuff like i know that like i know like yeah people are just this this and that but like also there's like a human part to it where i'm like well i thought me and that person were yeah. closer than this or okay guess i'm not getting invited to that thing or like whatever <laughs> yeah and no, it's yeah, it yeah. sucks i mean it still sucks so it's just like i don't know i think for me like i 
I get that way too. And I've really started to hold back on like the things that I'll like questions that I'll ask or I think I'm like, let me not overstep any boundaries anymore. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to try to pry when you're not really wanting me to, you know, I had, I had to figure that out because at first when I, you know, I was in school and you're, this is all fresh and you're going through it and you're just like, let me help everybody with all their problems. And it's just not good. It's not the good way to keep your friends. So you just, now you just try to, you know, you recognize it and I'll go home and I'll talk about it, you know, with my partner and I'll tell her, I'll be like, yeah, this is going on. And I was like, or I heard this and and someone said this or whatever. and, And I feel for them, but also they're not asking for my help. Yeah. So I need to, I need to take a step back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, secure is secure is the goal. Secure is the goal. <laughs> one of the four. So that would mean that the other three mean you're insecure. Like, and that's probably a big word too, for some people to be like, well, what? Like, I'm not insecure. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're not securely attached, then you're insecurely attached. Right. Um, the next one or whatever, one of them is anxious. So an anxious attachment. That one is rooted in deep fear of abandonment. So basically, like, just you're just scared that people are going to leave you. Yeah. Right. Um, so like. Brittany talked about that. Yeah. Like, that's just like deep rooted. And that could look like. And again, some of these are like very extreme examples. But um, so like an example would be maybe like when you were a child, like your parents got divorced, but no one ever told you why. Mm. And your dad just like moved out overnight. And y'all just acted like nothing happened. And now he's not there ever. And you're just like, what's going on? Right. Like the biggest problem I think people make with like kids, mistakes they make that they don't realize they're making, I don't think they're intentional, is like they try to protect them and they try not to like let them in and like, oh, they don't need to worry about that. Yeah. But it's not that you're giving it to them worry. It's like you're literally telling them what's going on. Like it's more scary and worrisome and like nerve wracking to not know what's going on. Like think of you as an adult, like and literally like you could literally put the same example as you. Like you just get home one day and like your significant other has moved out and they're just like, please don't text me anymore. And you're just like, what the literal fuck? You know, I like, knew she'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what? Like, what? Like, are you supposed to just be okay with that? You're supposed to just no. be like, okay, sounds good. Yeah, sounds like, good, yeah. thanks for taking all your stuff with you. Um, no, you're going to be like, why? Like, what yeah. happened? Like, what's yeah. going on? And like, just because they're little, like, doesn't mean they don't need to know. Right. Like, they need to know. Like, you're hurting I, them more by not explaining shit to them. It's crazy because I, I, I mean, I would agree that we need to explain to them. But then also... I don't think you have to overshare. No, 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 no. Yeah, because don't I, talk I think shit, exactly because like, I say I think a it's lot a of yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think a lot of parents will. Um, oh well, you're, you know, your mom or your dad's leaving because they got somebody else and they're yeah, out there yeah, leaving yeah. and he's gonna take care of this person and yeah, not worry no, about no, you. No, no, like no, 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 uh, I don't think we need all of that. No, Let's no. just. And that is why they left. I'm just yeah. Kidding. At the um, end, of, well, it's probably <laughs> true. But at the end of the day, like I will say this: that person, regardless of what happens in your relationship with you and your partner, is still gonna be your child's parent yes and you have to let them be which goes back into like the whole thing like please be careful who you're having sex with because like that shit matters Mm -hmm. like literally like that shit matters um so anxious is about 20 percent of people um a lot of needy clinginess and again it's the fear of abandonment so 
a household example would be like the person that's like texting 10 times in a row like hey did you get my last message like what are you doing what's going on like why haven't you wrote me like blah 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 and then this person's like well this person's crazy and it's like you don't know that maybe like that story that I just told you happened to them their dad just left them one day didn't tell them what was going on and I should stop saying dad maybe their mom abandoned them one day they don't know what's going on so there's they have this deep rooted fear that people are just gonna leave like they don't know you decided to go to the movies by yourself today you know like and that you can't text back or you're whatever um and so they come off as needy and clingy and yeah like they're just trying to hold on to anything they can hold on to and i was gonna say i think that this is why it's so important about what we're talking about is because people like you gotta understand if these things are happening to you as a child like these are the people that everybody is writing you know toxic about or you know they're using that word because these people have had these things happen to them in their lives because their parents didn't form that secure attachment with them or a situation happened where dad or mom does get up and move away and no one explained anything to them because you thought that they weren't ready to deal with that type of conversation. So this is why we're having the conversation so we can have less of these, you know, clingy, whatever type of people out there. And that's not to say that like you could be secure your whole life and then say you do get into a yes. relationship yes. where that happens to you and this is the first time this has ever happened to you 100%. and now like your body response system is to be like oh my god you know and then you'll start to notice patterns in your future relationships of like now you're on high alert all the time so right. like, you can experience trauma like at any age and any kind of shift um it's just so this is a i guess a decent way to explain it so the person who gets abandoned at five years old when their brain is still developing and like right. they just like don't know what's going on blah, blah 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 it's like ingrained in their brain and then maybe they've lived a whole life of like things like that so as an adult that's who they are where like if you grow up with a secure attachment and everything the foundation is there and then this crazy thing happens to you when you're in your 20s it's going to affect you but you're gonna be able to recover at a faster rate than someone who already w- didn't have the foundation so secure. And that's like the whole point is yeah. to like build that foundation at the very beginning. So that way, like no matter what happens to you, yeah, you're going to have tragedy, trauma, like heartbreak, all these types of things, but your rebound and your co like coping mechanisms and habits are going to go quicker into effect. And this is why you're so passionate about the development of young people. Is because of this reason, yes. because if we can nourish them the right way when they're younger, have that attachment with them and, and don't think that that attachment can be broken. at can't be broken at any time because I really do feel like it could. Right. Like we're talking about yeah. just kind of, you know, life happens, life gets in the way. We really have to get them all the way up until like even right now, like my my son's like, oh, I'm, he feels pretty nervous about moving away. But he's he's also like, you know, he knows why he's going, you know, because well, and he's still looking to you like. Does he know I can do it? Yeah. If he knows I can do it, then I should be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. So like, he knows me best. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. just like, if we like, let's just say, I this would never happen. But if like me and his mom and everybody just were like, you're on your own, you know, don't call us or whatever. <laughs> like that would be trauma. Tra- yeah, yeah. It would just be tragic for him. And I'm like, at, I think at any time this can happen, like in these life events. But like you're saying, if you have the right foundation, you're going to recover quicker because we're all going to feel our our way about it. Like, we're never going to just be okay with someone, like, feeling like the rug's been pulled from underneath yeah. us. But our way to respond is knowing that we can always get back up on our own two feet. So, it's, it's just great stuff, honestly. For sure. Um, avoidant. 
that one's rooted in fear of intimacy. So fear of like getting close to people, mm. um, common with, uh, one night standards, uh, people who do that, you know, religiously people who get in relationships, break up with people, get in relationships, break up with people, um, people that maybe you felt like, man, I feel like we were really close. And then they just stopped talking to me, you know, like these type of people who like, when they start to feel vulnerable, they're just like, gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, Nope. Don't have time for this. Um, they have a hard time trusting people. Like they have a hard time, like building those relationships. And this one too is similar in rooted in like, they didn't have that, secure person to build they don't know how to trust anyone like right. you don't know how to trust anyone like it you have to learn how to trust people and you have to learn that people will show up for you right and if you've never had anyone show up for you and you've never had anyone build that trust then like how do you know what to do um this is about 25 percent of people i guess like my best example of this one would maybe be like like kids who like i don't know if you know anything about like kids that get um adopted from like russia that's like the best one i can think of so like in russia in like their orphanages and stuff they like basically and i don't know if this is up to date but like they would keep babies like just in a room and like put them in beds and people would check on them like once every few hours to make sure they had a clean diaper and like that they weren't dead um and then people would adopt them like you know from america or whatever and then these kids would like have so many issues growing up and mental health issues and all this kinds of stuff and like you could usually root it back to they were never held when they were supposed to be right. held like they just cried themselves to sleep they their cues weren't uh, attended to like so they literally never learned how to trust anyone right. like literally but i mean that makes sense though Right. Because when you're talking about someone who has this type of attachment style, if they're crying themselves asleep, right, no one's help like holding them. They're not getting that touch that you need. And it's like TBRI stuff, right? Like the whole like holding and soothing and knowing mm -hmm. that you're going to be there. Um, but if they that's how they, then they're, they're never going to grow up to really be vulnerable with anybody, because the only way I know how to take care of myself is to literally take care of myself. And I'm not worried about your feelings because no one ever showed me how to care about anyone other anyone else's feelings other than my own yeah and actually that's the, what i was going to share from this book is like the most extreme example i've ever heard and it's in this book born for love everyone should read this book um it's by bruce perry but he talks about how he got called in on like a special case of and this young man he was in high school um about to go to college and he was at a party and he raped um a mentally disabled girl that was at the party and so his parents like he's well off he's got money like he's got into the best schools and his parents are like please diagnose him with something because we don't want him to go to jail right like what's wrong with him like, right because he didn't care he was like one of the things he said was like well that's the best she was ever going to get like you know she should be lucky like i even did that oh, wow. and so bruce perry like interviews him and like all this stuff and what it literally came down to and that's what happens is like people do these awful things and we're just like, oh, it's just a piece of shit. Like, let's just write them off. No one asked the questions of like, well, what was their childhood like? Right. Or like, where did they come from? Or like, what, whatever. So Bruce Perry does that. Um, and so he got into like, well, tell me about like his upbringing and all this kinds of stuff. Turns out uh, mom had never even held a baby before him. And dad, you know, it was just like, this is the next thing to do. Like, we're married. We have good, we're like, let, let's have a kid. 
Yeah, and there's a so, decent foundation to bring a kid into the world. Yeah, so, let's so do this it. is what's next. Mm-hmm. And this is like my argument when we talk about in the abortion episode, like you can't just have kids just to have them. Like make sure you know what you're doing. But anyways, so they have a kid um, and they don't know anything about kids. Right. So they get a nanny because they need like, let's get a nanny. So what happened was the nanny was spending obviously all her time with the baby when he was a baby and the mom would get jealous because when the nanny would leave, the baby would cry. Um, he wanted to be with the nanny more than the mom. So yeah. the mom was like, well, she must be like turning him against me. Um, so she fired her and she would just keep doing the same thing rehiring nannies every time he got attached to a nanny she would get a new one because she was less like like what the heck like he prefers like this nanny over me you know because she was doing surface level stuff right as a mom like because she had a full-time nanny um and so by the time i think he was like two he had like 18 caregivers that she had filtered through and like the gist of it with obviously a lot more explanation in the book is he never learned how to form an attachment he could never trust because every time he trusted somebody, it was taken away. Hmm. So, like, how the fuck do you trust anybody and build empathy with anyone if, like, you have no one to trust and build empathy with? So, like, that's like, it's just like mind blowing. Not because, only that, like, now he's like this. Yeah, he's like straight face, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care because he doesn't know how to care about. Like, right. literally, brain development does not know how to care about people. I think you could even dive into what was mom's attachment because if she was one getting jealous that she wasn't forming that connection with her child, it's like, well, then let me just replace you. Like, why aren't you doing anything else to try to develop that connection with your child? Yeah. You know well, what I mean? And in her defense, like if you know nothing, which goes into a whole other theory I have of like, we should be trained to have kids. Like when you get pregnant, you should have to go through like a six week course because like right. this shit isn't common knowledge, unfortunately. It's not, no. And so like, but this is what people need to know before they have a kid or you believe in just like old wives tales and stuff like just random stuff you know what i mean like stuff we know i mean maybe harmless in practice but it's not gonna like be um you're not gonna want to raise your kid off of that alone exactly you know what i mean so that's like one of my most extreme examples and i tell that to everyone because like it's very extreme and you know he talks about this as an extreme example but like it's real um and like if you don't think like this stuff matters like you're just like fooling yourself yeah but like you said like this is the reason why those people who once they start to feel vulnerable they don't call you back yeah right like this is what we're trying to avoid like if you can build better people now it saves us trouble later on in the future you know for everybody really um okay so there's the last one is disorder it's called all kinds of things but overall it's like disorganized it's basically a combo of like fearful avoidant type thing. Right. Um, this one is didn't even have percentages. It's pretty much the most traumatizing. Like when you're at a disorganized attachment because like you literally um, basically it was like there's so much psychological effects that go with this like heightened sexual behavior and increased risk for violence in the relationship, difficulty regulating emotions in general. So these people tend to end up in like DV relationships and like um, trauma and uh, suicidal stuff because they literally do not know how to regulate. They don't know how to like create an attachment at all. Their body always feels like it's just out of sorts, you know, and they don't. What do you, what do you think people in this type of attachment situation end up in those more like like a domestic violence type relationship um because i think if you had to explain it like surface level maybe a household that they grew up in might have been dad is abusing drugs and mom is 
working 24 seven, um, not there all the time or whatever. So it's just chaos all the time. time. So their nervous system is just developing chaotic. So if your nervous system is developing chaotic, your body lives in that. So it connects with that. Yeah. And think of things that create, it feels safe. Mm -hmm. That feels your safe. That's your safe. So it connects with like that feeling of being like afraid scared nervous. and i I was gonna say to to secure people that may sound backwards as f but to them like it makes sense right yeah Yeah. and and i mean there's all these you know domestic violence circles that they talk about and you know how how the victim goes from you know wanting to leave all the way back to like a honeymoon phase thing and that's a different conversation but i would say um as you're explaining that i'm just like it makes a lot of sense because that's what they know. Like, that's the only thing that they know. That's the only connection that they know. So chaos is their comfort. Yeah. And that's where they sit in. Because yeah. if they're not at that level, they don't even know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that would probably be the scenario where, like, they never had at least one secure person one, in yeah. their life. Because, again, one secure person in your life can really change your life. Whether that's a coach or a pastor or a best friend or a whatever someone right. that you can really like trust and depend on can really like shift that for you but some people don't have that ever um and so like that's how they end up in those cycles um and it's just like it's just it's unfortunate because those people too are the hardest to get out of that because once they start getting out of that and start feeling like, oh, healthy, whatever, they're just like, they get uncomfortable. Yeah. Like their body, not their heart and brain, like their body is like, this is like boring. Like this is boring. Like boo. Like let's do something else. Like, you know, and then turns to drugs or turns to sex yeah. or turns to violence or whatever it may be because they need that or, chaos. Or they're, yeah, or they're living anxiously waiting for the next chaotic thing to happen. And they could never even really enjoy the boredom Mm -hmm. that a lot of us, I mean, really life should be pretty boring. Yeah. Like aside from like, you know, all the traveling influencers out there. I mean, like everyone's life is great there, but I'm saying that, right. You could argue that if someone who traveled their whole life and never settled down could have like avoidant, like they don't Mm, want to stick in one place (laughs) for too long. You could could really psychoanalyze so many things. Um, But yeah, I think the, the point is like the power or the point is that secure attachment is ideal and there's always room to heal. Um, right. But if you do the work when they're younger, you don't have, there's still going to be things that come up, but that foundation is going to really like get you through some shit. Right. And I was thinking about a lot of people may be wondering like, you know, what's so great about secure attachment or, you know, if you're not there, can you get there? If your child's not there right now, can you get there? And then what are the benefits of it? So they have some benefits outlined. Sure. I mean, you can stop me. So higher self-esteem is one of the things that they say is a benefit of it. Uh, better emotional regulation. I feel like you hit on that a lot. Uh, greater academic success, right? Because if, if you're secure, if you know that failing is okay and you're mm-hmm. not going to get beat when you get home, then you're more likely to you know, really try and maybe take some chances yeah. again, take some risks knowing that the world's going to, you know, it's not going to be the end of it, you know? So, um, also, and I'm glad you just said that and I'm just going to go ahead, stir it up. You cannot have a secure attachment. If you hit your child consistently, yell at your child consistently or abuse your child in any way consistently, you cannot. 
Okay. Like you can repair if it's like once every once in a while or you spank them a couple times and then you're like, God, I should never do that again. I need to apologize. Like the repair, right, is the big thing. Like we could probably do a whole episode on how would you repair in this scenario. Um, but like that's a great conversation, yeah, by the way. There's still groups of people, parents who feel like I turned out OK, even though I got spanked every single time I did something wrong or right. I turned out okay even though like my parent yelled at me every time they were stressed my like that's not true <laughs> so right. like that's not a secure attachment so I just wanted to highlight that and again that's no, another yeah. conversation but I agree Th- that was the other thing too like we were saying earlier is you know we're not going to parent perfectly so even if you do yell at them when you're stressed you know you go and say hey you know I was I was stressed out I really you know I was on edge that, that was had nothing to do with you it was all about me and sorry and and apologize and go and repair right away um because repairing the relationship as soon as you can is what's important you can't do it a week after is what i'm saying yeah you know and what I mean? you have to try to stop yelling yeah it's literally no different than one person hitting another person in a relationship and being like oh i'm so sorry going to get them flowers and then hit them again next week yeah. and then they hit them again the following week like you would tell that person to leave that relationship. You would say, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, what are you this doing? person's just yeah. taking advantage of you and hitting you and repairing, but not. Like, you have to know, like, I've got a problem with yelling. So let me figure out what I can do about this thing. Yeah. Um, better coping in times of stress. Um, more positive engagement with preschool peers. That's important, right? I think all of us want our kids to be good whenever they go to school. Um, closer friendships in middle childhood. Okay. So having those really Teenagers, great, yeah. yeah, those really great connections there, those are super important. Yeah. I would say um, more effective social interaction in adolescence. So high school age now, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and we're we're, I guess, just feeling like you belong. I feel yeah, like that's yeah, what yeah. I get from that, right? Yeah, feeling like you belong, like you don't have to worry about whether you fit in or not. Um, happier and better relationships with your parents. I mean, I think that's what we're all trying to achieve. Yeah, um, stronger leadership qualities like that. It's pretty powerful, especially if you want your kid to go off and do something great, which I think we all are striving for that. Um, a greater self of self uh, agency, um, more trusting, non-hostile, romantic relationships in adulthood. I mean, basically everything that you've talked yeah. about already. Yeah. Um, more empathy. Like going back to the story about the kid, like having a secure attachment, you're just going to be more connected be able to recognize when someone else is going through something and really be able to, I don't, I don't think you have to necessarily sit in it with them every time, but recognizing when someone's going through something and giving them the space they need to go through with that. I think that's super important. Um, greater social competence overall. I feel like I struggle Read with that. The room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I struggle with that. Um, and then just greater trust in life. I think we started with that. Like, yeah. you know, just trusting people in general. Yeah. And I, I still struggle with it. But, I mean, that's why secure attachment is so important. I mean, if anything that I read off of there through that, you know, the power of showing up book resonated with you. I think the next episode, really looking into our own childhood and how those things, you know, maybe or maybe didn't happen for us and i know for me i could read through like maybe just one half of that list right there and i'll know that i didn't get all the way there um but everything that we talk about is a practice yeah well and that's like why i told you i had texted you because like yeah this was a good reminder for me too and it's just like you have to think of like what the end goal is yeah like my end goal is to make my child the most successful person that i can 
And if that's the end goal for me, then I got to keep it like on my mind. Yeah. I got to be active in like doing all the things that I'm preaching because that's the whole fucking point. It's for her. It's not for me. It's for her. Like it's for her. I want her to be an adult who doesn't like struggle or no one calls her clingy or no right. one, like you know what i mean like i want to give her that so that way like she doesn't there's she's still gonna have struggles she's still gonna have like Everybody whatever does, yeah. but it's gonna i hope for it to be like as she can handle it she can right. handle it yeah what i do like so success for you for her what is that like i know you said not to be clingy but like because success oh well, yeah it's just like a I lot think, of us can say success and, like, it would be different for everybody is what I'm saying. I think well, – I'll probably start crying. I think success for me, for her, and then, like, as a parent, like, I just I, – I don't want her to be afraid to do the things she wants to do. I don't want people to, like, walk over her. No, yeah. I don't want people to, like, take advantage of her. Um, I want her to, like, stand up for what she believes in. And I want her to be, like, secure and confident in to do those things yeah um and a lot of the things that like i just struggled with for so long and i get i'd say like now i mean i'm 30 i'm gonna be 34 this year i don't want her to be and i know it takes time to like whatever but there's so many things i think about like in my 20s where i like fucked up or did things i shouldn't have been doing and i'm just like i know it could have been different (laughs) if like some other things would have been different and i can't take it back and whatever but like it's just i would like her to not even go through the struggles that were literally unnecessary right for me. you know they're unnecessary um and so that is like my i think definition of yeah. success for her mm-hmm. yeah it's all social emotional that's what it is yeah. i don't care what she does i don't care like whatever as long as she's confident in it and like she feels like that's what she wants to do and she's happy and she's not like then cool like right go i don't know what it's gonna be so, but go do it so as a dad of a son i think like success also has to go with him and this is just stupid gender stereotypes that i think we need to get away from um for all i know he's going to be a stay-at-home dad one day but my thing is like you know success also depends on him being able to provide for a family you know that's something that we've talked well, and a lot David about and I both provide for our family yeah right like, that's what i'm saying like do, it, so. it could be just stupid but i'm like some of that is your responsibility. And I also, I always talk to him about like, what is it that you want your life to look like? Because my life is going to be what it is. Like I'm living it. I've enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, it didn't go exactly the way that it needed to in the beginning, but I think I ended up exactly where I needed to be now. Um, and I always tell him that I'm just like, what do you want your life to look like? What is it that you want? How do you want to live? And he, when he tells me that I'm just like, what's going to get you there. Yeah. And then I think that's where he really started to put some things together, recognize that for him, college was the path. And I was just like, Hey, if you think you can go do something and be successful without college, have at it. Like, just let me, you know, let us know how we can help you. But if not, then what is, what are you trying to do? Yeah. What do you want to be? Yeah. And, and like I said, I think for him or for everybody, success is going to look different. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think we're all just trying to make our children the most successful that they can be. Because we, we don't want them to struggle and we don't want them to have those negative types of relationships. And even if they, by chance, end up in one, have the, have the emotional capability to say, this doesn't work for me. This is yes. making me worse. I need to move on yes. from this. And I need to be happy. Yes. And, th- and all of that starts with... I don't with, know this person anything. Yeah, yeah. And all of that starts with having a secure attachment. <sighs> yeah. So. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. Um, could have talked about this for a very long more time. And I'm pretty uh, sure there'll be a couple more episodes revolved yeah, around this specifically. For sure. But as always, thanks for listening and following us and keeping up with us. We really appreciate everyone. Yeah, for um, sure. And thanks again to Adonis for our last episode. That was very lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.